This is the Stone Truth. I am Crystal Stone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode seven of the Stone Truth podcast. And it just dawned on me, I'm in season two, seven weeks in, and I haven't really introduced myself to my new listeners. I'm very sorry. So hi, I'm Crystal Stone. I, you may uh, remember me from uh, first take on ESPN. I was the first ESPN first take your take winner they had a contest back in 2016 and I won the contest I was the female winner and I was a guest on the show in January of 2017 I got to go at it with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and from there I had a couple of stints on ESPN radio most recently I co-hosted a show on ESPN radio called The Hangout it was on Sunday afternoons, and I was co-hosting with Matt Schick and Will Reeve over on ESPN Radio. And since then, I've been continuing my own podcast that you're listening to right now, the Stone Truth Podcast. A little bit about me. I am a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, went to University of Texas at Austin, diehard Texas Longhorns fan, and uh, also Dallas Mavericks fan. But I moved to New York City about almost 15 years ago in a few months. And I obviously hate living amongst the rotten Giants fans that I had to encounter on a regular basis. But I pushed through, folks. I pushed through day after day because I love the Dallas Cowboys that much that I'm putting up with Giants fans here in New York City. Well, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, shall we? Dallas Cowboys had the most impressive win on Sunday versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I actually missed the game on Sunday because, unfortunately, I was at a memorial service for a dear friend of mine. If you were listening to last week's episode, episode six, um, I started out by letting you guys know that a dear friend of mine passed away um, unexpectedly and... We had his memorial on Sunday, so I didn't watch the game on Sunday. However, I did watch a replay of the game, so I'm very caught up on what the Cowboys did in a very impressive fashion on Sunday. I saw 2016 Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott had his career game in rushing yards, 11 carries for 82 yards. He had... A QBR of 95.3, which is the highest that he's had since 2016. Zeke Elliott, of course, again, put on a show, 24 carries for 106 yards. Cole Beasley was back on the map, folks. Nine receptions for 101 yards. He was targeted 11 times. That is the first time that the Dallas Cowboys have had a receiver get a 100-yard receiving game since week nine of 2017 that was 2016 Cowboys football Dak using his feet more by using his feet more he was able to open up passing lanes Cole Beasley playing a major role in 2016 Dak Prescott put Cole Beasley on the map Cole Beasley led the team in receptions in 2016 and again he led the team in receptions on Sunday no surprise there Cole Beasley's drop-off last year had a lot of factors, right? It was the offensive line and the struggles that Dak was having, no Zeke. But also, more importantly, defenses had tape on Cole Beasley and they figured out ways to slow him down. 
We saw that happening in the first five games this season as well. But if you look at some of the replays, you see that Cole Beasley's out there wide open on some of those plays. So it was all about the connection between Dak and Cole getting back on the same page. And thankfully that happened on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, repeat of 2016 with Ezekiel Elliott getting his yards. And then what makes it all come together is the added benefit of the Dallas Cowboys defense blazing, playing lights out, sacking Blake Bortles three times, getting in an interception, holding the Jacksonville Jaguars to just 65 rushing yards, which I know a lot of that had to do with the absence of their running back in Leonard Fournette. But still, the defense doing their job allowed the offense to continue to play and do well. Also a major factor, Cowboys dominated the time of possession, 38 almost 39 minutes to the Jaguars 21 minutes. That's Dallas Cowboys football. That's why the Cowboys on in the years that they have been successful, that's when they're successful, when they're able to dominate the time possession, get the ball down the field not only in the running game but also effectively in the passing game. Dak Prescott's not bombing it down the field, but he was efficient in getting passes to his receivers. Uh, one thing of note, though, I know that Cole Beasley had a great game. He was targeted 11 times more than any other player on the team. However, no other receiver was targeted more than two times. So as great as it is to have Cole Beasley have such a big game, it would be nicer to see other receivers, Michael Gallup, Alan Hearns, where the hell is Bryce Butler, right? Bryce Butler, uh, Jeff Swain more receivers getting more targets, spreading the ball more is basically what I'm getting to. I want to see Dak spread the ball more. But this Sunday was a big step in Dak's, I hope it's a big step in Dak's improvement and and confidence, right, of getting the ball out of his hands quicker, making quicker decisions. The offensive line play helped tremendously. Um, It helped tremendously in getting Dak the confidence to run the ball more. And I have to, you know, I, I'll do it. I'll do it right now. I'll give Scott Linehan a little clap here. Thank you, Scott Linehan, for being creative. But I feel like I, I say that with a grain of salt, guys, because I feel like every other week I'm saying that, right, about Scott Linehan. Like, yay, great, Scott Linehan's creative with the play calling and the scheming. And then the next week, it's trash. So I need some consistency from Scott Linehan, and I think we'll see some consistency from this Dallas Cowboys offense. The first five games, the Cowboys averaged 16.6 points per game. They put up 40 points against these, against these Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is against the second-ranked defense in the league. What hurt the Jacksonville Jaguars is, one, the Cowboys got the Blake Bortles that we were all hoping for, right? The Blake Bortles that is inconsistent from game to game. Sometimes he has a hot game. Sometimes he has a bad game. And luckily for the Cowboys, he had a bad game on Sunday. He went 15 to 26 for 149 yards through an interception. But more importantly is because the defense also played very poorly against the Cowboys. And the Jaguars bank their success on how well their defense plays. If their defense is out there getting turnovers, getting the ball back, that allows the ball to get back into Blake Bortles' hands. When Leonard Fournette is back, it allows him to run the ball. But ah, they came up short, really short, against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Having said all that, 
Ezekiel Elliott put this really into perspective. Um, he was interviewed later on this week. He said, it doesn't matter. This game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, this impressive win, this 40-7 to victory against the number one, or excuse me, the number two defense in the league, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter unless they go into Washington and win. Whoo! I'm so glad the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott. I'm so glad they have someone who has the right mindset. Yes, Sunday was great. Sunday was impressive. But you know what's also terrible about this Cowboys team, as great as they played on Sunday? They're 3-0 and at home. Wonderful. Perfect. That's the first time since 1999 that the Dallas Cowboys have gone 3-0 and at home. But on the other side of that, they're 0-3 on the road. They can't get it done on the road yet this season. So that's where Zeke's focus is. That's where his concern is. As great as this game was, as great as this win was, it was nice to have Conor McGregor there. Everyone's doing Conor McGregor's walk. That was really cool. But you got to win on the road. And Washington is coming up next. On the road, the Dallas Cowboys averaged just 12.3 points. They've only converted 9 of 38 third downs when they're on the road. Zach Martin, uh, offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys, interviewed. He said that a lot of that can be contributed to poor communication. That's why they're having so many problems on the road, especially with the offensive line, is poor communication. Communication on calls, communication on assignments, communication on what to do, play after play. Well, this week in practice, I really hope that the Dallas Cowboys were blaring bullhorns and uh, playing loudspeakers of crowd noise to replicate what could be happening in Washington during the game. Because we can't keep having this up and down, up and down. And if you only win at home, you're going eight and eight. (laughs) That's how it works. If you only win at home and you can't win on the road, you're going eight and eight. And this Cowboys team is too talented to be going eight and eight, especially in this inconsistent, unpredictable NFC East. But the Dallas Cowboys have had the Washington Redskins number for a number of years. Of the last seven games, the Cowboys have won six. The Cowboys have won the last four games in a row. Dak Prescott is undefeated against the Washington Redskins. That's both at home and on the road. And in fact, last season, the second half of the season when the Cowboys didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, when the Cowboys didn't have Sean Lee, when the team looked terrible and couldn't string along some wins, enough wins to get into the playoffs, that same Dallas Cowboys team put up 38 points against the Washington Redskins on November 30th. Dak only threw 102 yards in that game, and they still won. Now, granted, the personnel has changed on both teams. Washington Redskins now have Alex Smith leading the team the legend that is Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Their defense is top 10 in the league, six in rushing defense. But offensively, they're in the bottom quarter of the league when it comes to points per game and yards per game. A lot of that has to do with the fact that even though they have Alex Smith, their receiving core is uh, decimated. Jameson Crowder, Paul Richardson, Josh Doxson, All their number one, number two guys are hurt. They won't be playing on Sunday. Also, the Washington Redskins have only scored one touchdown in the second half this season. The Dallas Cowboys have got to come out hot against these Washington Redskins. 
score early, score fast, and keep it going. Keep the pedal to the metal. Continue to dominate the time of possession. Continue to run the ball down the field and keep Alex Smith off the field. I know going into last week's game, I said that I just I didn't know what to expect of this Dallas Cowboys team because it's a different team week to week, right? But when it comes to these Washington Redskins, I think there's a confidence that the Dallas Cowboys come in knowing that they haven't won, they haven't lost a game to the Redskins since 2014. Um, this is going to be a highly emotional game. Redskins consider this game their Super Bowl, pretty much. And I think this is a game that will determine if the Redskins are really the real deal because the Redskins so far have been a 500 team. They're just above because, you know, they had a bye week, so they're 3-2. and two. But this is a team that when you look throughout the years, and I mean many years, they're the epitome of mediocre. I mean, they are the epitome of average. They are an 8-8 eight and eight team. So this will be a game for the Washington Redskins to prove that they are the real deal and that this position that they have as the number one team in the NFC East is no fluke just because they had the bye week, but that they are real contenders to be the division champions. Cowboys need to come into Washington and rain on their parade. And if they play anything, anything like they played on this Sunday, the Cowboys might come out of Washington on top of the NFC East. I want to shift gears a little bit. I know I talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys because I'm completely obsessed with them. I think about them all the time. <laughs> Not really, but really. Uh, but I did want to uh, chat a little bit about Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this situation is really intriguing, and we're sort of coming down to the crunch time uh, on what Le'Veon Bell is going to do with regards to his franchise tag and whether or not he's going to rejoin the team and when he's going to rejoin the team. Le'Veon Bell has yet to report to the Pittsburgh Steelers and sign his $14.54 million franchise tag tender. He wants to be paid. And the Steelers have offered him money. I believe they offered him $70 million before, and he just didn't think that was enough and that he's worth more than that and he feels like he's the number one back in the league and he deserves a lot more money it was widely understood that he was going to report this coming week week seven because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers bye week and he will have the bye week and then the week before the week eight game to get reacclimated with the team and be ready for week eight but he hasn't showed up yet and according to the Steelers they're not expecting him this week so when is he going to show up? He has to show up by week 10 in order to accrue a full year to be eligible for free agency in 2019. What's the holdup? And then my bigger question is, do the Steelers really need him? Because if you look at what they've been able to get out of the rookie, James Conner, he already has three games this season with at least 100 yards or more rushing. That puts him fifth in the league in rushing. And he has two or more touchdowns each of those games. That puts him second in the league in rushing touchdowns. Do they need Le'Veon Bell? Steelers fans, do you want Le'Veon Bell back at this point? The Steelers have had a tumultuous uh, first few weeks. They had the tie against uh, the Browns, and they've gone three and two since. They sit third place in their division. 
is Le'Veon Bell the piece that they need to propel them back into first place in their division and and ride into the playoff sunset? Having him bat certainly couldn't hurt. I think that Le'Veon Bell really proved his worth to the team. I think it was two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, in the playoffs when he got hurt in the first quarter of the – I want to say it was the AFC Championship game against the Steelers, if uh, excuse me, against the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken, and the Steelers couldn't get enough offense going without him to beat the Patriots. I think he proved his worth then. Uh, but the Steelers are winning games without him now. And when you listen to a lot of the backlash that he got from his own teammates like uh, guard Raymond Foster who said here's a guy who doesn't give a damn I guess so we'll treat it as such I just hate it came to this he's he's making even seven times what I made twice as much as Villanueva is making and we're the guys who do it for him so the guys in the locker room when they came out um, in early September with their disappointment that Le'Veon Bell had not rejoined the team They've decided to just move on, and I understand. I mean, what else can you do? He's not there. You go with the guy who is there, James Conner, and you do the best you can for him. But the question is, when will Le'Veon Bell actually return? And when he does return, how is he going to be received by his teammates? If he does come back, or when he does come back, it will definitely set up a nice one-two punch at the running back tailback position, Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. So much of what makes Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown work is what is opened up in the passing game through Le'Veon Bell's excellence in the running game. But there's rumors that he'd be traded if he does return because of the value that he has as one of the top running backs in the league and his capabilities in both the running and the passing game. I don't know. I'm a little torn about what the Steelers should do with the Le'Veon Bell situation because I think it, it's surprising to all of us that James Conner is playing so well as a rookie. Um, I don't expect this to go away quietly. I expect even more fireworks to come out of Pittsburgh as this continues to roll along as week seven commences and week eight creeps up. That October 30th deadline is coming soon as well. This is a situation to watch in Pittsburgh because it has implications for the playoffs. It has implications for the Steelers in their division. It has implications for the entire AFC. If you're the Steelers, what do you do with Le'Veon Bell? Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we will be joined by a special guest, Akil Williams. He is the host of The Real Deal with Akil podcast. He's out of Houston, Texas. We will be getting into both NFL and NBA action because the NBA season is here. Shout out to my Dallas Mavericks. They lost the other night to the Phoenix Suns, but still, Dennis Smith Jr., Luka, DeAndre... They all look pretty good, and Dirk will be back in a few weeks. I think this may be the Dallas Mavericks year to, like, win a lot of games. No, they won't win the championship, but they they might get to the playoffs. Be sure to listen to previous episodes of the Stone Truth Podcast on iTunes at crystalstone.com slash Truth. Subscribe on iTunes, guys, so you can get the podcast as soon as they're hot and ready. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at crystalstone underscore, and that's crystal with an H. See you next week, guys. Until next time.